Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, film geeks, today's subject is women talking, the movie I've been waiting two months to see. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. If you're brand new, my name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary, and I am so glad you are here. Where are you from? All of y'all, where are you from? I don't need to know all your business. I'm just curious. What city do you live in and are you enjoying winter? Because there is no winter here. Last year, because I'm in New Orleans, it was cold around this time, like freezing cold. And by freezing cold, I mean like around 40 degrees, which some of you from up north are like, oh my God, that's not cold. Keep in mind, I'm in the deep south, okay? I live in a city that was pretty much built on a swamp. I am surrounded by water, okay? It, It floods here if it drizzles too hard. Water everywhere. So it is always humid here. It's humid all year round. The humidity doesn't just stop in the summertime. No, it's humid all year round. So in the summertime, it's nasty, sweaty, hot, gross, almost unbearable. You can't breathe. You, it's, it's hot. It's suffocating. And then in the wintertime, because it's still humid, it's wet cold. It is cold to the bone. So our 40 feels like your Yankee 20. The best way I can compare to someone who's not from here or not this far south would be Chicago. That windy, bone-chilled Chicago cold, very similar. And a lot of it is because our geography is, there are some similarities in that, you know, Chicago is right there on the lake. We are surrounded by water. So we're having some of the same issues. But I'm just wondering, it's, do y'all get, do you, what is it like to have all four seasons? Because I don't know. I've been a Southern girl my entire life. I grew up in the Carolinas. So, you know, I'm used to two, maybe two and a half seasons a year. Um, and then in the New Orleans, it's just different variations of summer, essentially. Except for the random tornadoes this year. It's been very random. I think we've had, what, three tornado warnings in like the last 12 months. Hurricane, but no hurricanes. We didn't get none this year. We got Ida in 2021, but we got spared this year. So we're used to hurricanes. The tornadoes were just a little bit different, especially because, you know, we don't have any basements. There's nowhere to go underground. I mean, it's all water. We don't even bury the dead underground here. So, yeah, I'm just curious. How are y'all injured? Do y'all get snow? I hate snow, but I'm just curious. What's it like having all four seasons? What's it like to be favored by God and to be able to get breaks from the heat and the nasty? We don't get that, okay? It's like 50-something degrees outside, and it's hot. Make that make sense. I can't. That's my gripe for the day. I just wanted to complain about the weirdness of New Orleans weather to somebody who will listen. And since you're listening to this podcast, you're listening. But let's move on. Women talking. I finally saw it. Finally, I've been waiting months to see this movie. The first time I saw the trailer was probably months ago. If you've been following me for a while, you know I go to the movies a lot. And the last half of 2022, I went to the movies almost every week. Pretty much every week, except for one week because I went out of town. And so I I saw this movie trailer millions of times and couldn't wait to see it. But I was a little concerned. I was a little worried because I knew this was going to be an Oscar bait film. Just the approach, the direction and the push. It it looked like this was going to be something that was 
gunning for award season. And it seemed to be on the smaller end of things, simple. So I was a little afraid, wait, watch, this is going to have some crappy limited release and did. This came out originally sometime in December. I want to say it debuted Christmas weekend, if I'm not mistaken, which sucks for them because that means they had to compete with women, not women talking. This is women talking. They had to compete with Babylon. I want to dance with somebody. A man called Otto, the Tom Hanks film, um, also premiered that weekend and then did a limited release like a week or two later. And now finally has a wide release and I got to see it in Harahan this past week. And oh, I can't wait to dig into this. What a beautiful film. So this is Women Talking, directed by Canadian Sarah Polly. I was corrected. Apparently her last name, not Polly, Polly. Sarah Polly, that I was told that's how you pronounce her name because I was saying Polly because it's spelled P-O-L-L-E-Y. And I'm weird when it comes to phonetics. I want to pronounce everything phonetically correct. Uh, so Sarah Polly, directed, uh, starring Jesse Buckley, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Judith Ivey, Ben Winshaw, Francis McDormand. So a heavy packed cast of women. I think that's one of the things that drew me to this. I, I love women ensembles in film. Maybe it's because I am a woman. So the different dynamics of our personalities, the way we approach things, the way we see things, I think we have very similarities in how we go about life, but our, our varying personalities you know, can dictate the way we approach them. And I think this film really just personified that perfectly. The many layers of woman, you know, who we are instinctually and socially and culturally. Even when there are differences in culture from one group of women to the next, we are women and we do things in a way that's just different from men. There, there's no escaping it. We live in a culture that's trying to escape the naturalness of womanhood, trying to redefine it and turn it into something it's not. But the fact of the matter is we, our sex is very much defined by natural instincts. Evolutionary, evolutionary biology is a thing, y'all. I'm sorry. But there are just certain things about being a woman that's just natural and instinctual that you know, defies cultural boundaries. And I think this movie really tapped into that. I don't know if that was the, in the intention, but they did. They really tapped into some of the natural things about being a woman that just springs forth, even when the circumstances are different, even when we're talking about a community of women and that's isolated away from the outside world, away from cultural influences. And yet they're still very much women. Is that making sense? So this movie is about a Mennonite community. It's based on a book of the same name. The book was actually inspired by true events, something that happened in Bolivia in a Mennonite community in which over 100 women were sexually assaulted by the men in that community. So this movie is about a Mennonite community. They never say Mennonite, but we'll assume so. The original story was Mennonite. The book's Mennonite. This must be Mennonite. So these women were attacked in their sleep. Now, all the women, um, young, old, children, young children were all attacked in their sleep. And they were being told by elders and other men that these were the works of ghosts or demons or Satan. But one of them happens to wake up in the middle of the attack because they're being attacked in their sleep, right? And realizes this isn't a ghost. This isn't Satan or demons. This is a boy. This is a man in their community attacking them in their sleep. So what was happening was the men were drugging them and then raping them in their sleep. And one of them woke up and they saw his face and apparently he gave them names. And one of the women just went absolutely ape. So for the protection, they had the boys arrested and the boys were charged and now they're waiting for the men to come home because in spite of the women being attacked, the elders of the community are trying to work up a way to come up with bail to bring them home and get them out of jail while they await their trial. Now a new charge has been put on the women because even though they are the ones who have been wronged, they are the ones who have been harmed. They are being told to make a choice. They either have to forgive the men of what they've done and then go about their lives or 
they risk being exiled and excommunicated from their community, the only community they've ever known. Now, these women are, again, incredibly isolated. They're not educated. The women in this community are not allowed to be educated. They don't know how to read, but many of them do know how to draw. So they get one of the young girls to draw three pictures. One picture represents staying and forgiving. One picture represents staying and fighting. And another picture represents leaving of their own accord, not waiting to be excommunicated, not waiting to be exiled, but leaving of their own accord. And they vote. They're like, we can't read, but we figured out how to vote. So they vote, which one do we leave and do nothing? Do we stay and fight or do we just leave? And it ends up being a tie between staying and fighting and leaving. And so they get the women from, I guess, the more prominent families of the community. They gather together in a hayloft to discuss their options. And that is the movie. The movie is them sitting in a hayloft, having these conversations about what do we do? It sounds sad, doesn't it, that these women were done a great wrong and nothing is being done to protect them. They have to protect themselves and they have to figure out what is best for them. Do they stay with the men who have been attacking and abusing them and harming them or do they go out into the world of the unknown? Which is better, the devil you know or the devil you don't? And that's the movie. The, the the title gives away if you were expecting something, you know, some great dramatic moments or, you know, fun entertainment. You're not going to get it from women talking. This movie is low on drama, low on entertainment, but it is some of the most incredible dialogue I've ever heard. It's beautifully written, beautifully executed. Um, it's a true ensemble piece, which I think is why it's not getting any acting nods. The, the performances themselves are great. I mean, Rooney Mara, I've been a fa- fan of hers for a very long time. Claire Foy, Judith Ivey, Frances McDormand, I, if I'm not mistaken, she won Best Actress, I want to say in 2021 for Nomadland. I think that was her. And but as as good as some of these performances were, this is such an ensemble piece. I think it's kind of hard to separate them. This this movie only works because most of this movie takes place in one room in a short period of time. It it's I think it's kind of hard to divvy up performances because everything's happening in one spot. In order for this film to work, everyone had to be excellent. Everyone had to be above board. This was cast to perfection. Be- I mean, I honestly kind of wish there was a an Academy Award for best casting. Just the art of making sure that you have all the right pieces for the puzzle. That that was done here. Um, I could, I can't think of anything better than what they gave, and it was beautifully done. But I think that's one of the reasons why there are no acting nods for this is because it's such an ensemble piece. It's kind of hard to separate one from the other. This only works if they work together as a unit. That's it. So I know they got nominated for Best Ensemble for the SAG Awards. That makes sense. That's perfect. Did they? I'll have to look that up. But I'm pretty sure they did. And... My goodness, it's just beautifully done, well acted. Um, it's 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 like I said, this is all takes place in one room, right? So you have all these women who are dressed alike, they do their hair the same, and everything about them is very similar. Yet we're getting all these different individual personalities, and that's what I was talking about when we talk about the, the layers of being a woman. How even though we are separated by culture. There, we're still women. There's still things that just spring up naturally, these natural instincts. And you see that in each of these women in that a lot of times, oh, no, that's conditioning. No, sometimes that's just natural inclination. It's naturally, it's our natural inclination as women to want to keep the peace. To, to want to keep things peaceful and to be, to keep things level and to kind of manage things and make sense of things. But it's, it's also a woman's instinct when, our children are harmed, we fight. We go mama bear. We turn things upside down. It's also, I think, as women, we tend to internalize things. And you see that in one woman who keeps having panic attacks. We, we internalize things. It's also in our natural instinct that when something is wrong, we strip things bare. And you see that in this young woman who decided that life as a boy is much better than life as a girl. 
there is an unspeakable horror that happened to these women. And yet this movie is such a beautiful display of the gloriousness that is womanhood. Like, man, how did you do? How did you take something so ugly? How did you create beauty from ashes? Because that's what she did. That's what I got out of it. But I also couldn't help but notice the parallels between what this movie is doing and what's happening in our society now. Now, everyone has opinions about whatever, but we're not going to sit here and deny the fact that there are some women's rights issues that are happening in which women are being told to sit down, shut up, suck it up, and go along to get along. That women's voices are being suppressed because there's another agenda that seems to be more important than whatever it is we have to say. That if we speak up and say, I don't like this, this makes me uncomfortable, I don't want to be a part of this, we're bigots. We're this phobic or the other. I don't think it was this movie's intention to parallel to culture so well, but sometimes that happens. Sometimes we are in the middle of something and then there's this movie that kind of comes out the blue that was filmed the year before, and yet it falls right in line with where we are and it helps us to make sense and articulate what it is that we're going through. Halloween Kills came out in 2021, was kind of like that. Because that whole movie is about trauma. It's about confronting our trauma. Perfect for a a country that's in the middle, was still in the middle of a pandemic, dealing with the trauma of the pandemic. And you had a lot of movies that have come out since then that have really just centered and focused on trauma. And how we confront our trauma, how we heal from our trauma. Now you have this movie called Women Talking that really speaks to the power of a woman's voice and also how hard it can be to be a woman sometimes and the incredible power of motherhood. Good God. But it's just a beautifully done film, just some interesting aspects of the film. I'm not sure what you would call my first thought would be to call it sepia, the sepia color, but I think that's the millennial in me where the this film is almost devoid of color. They have taken all the color out of the film except for the color red. They could have done everything in black and white, but showing the red between their legs or the red at the bottom of their feet to let us know their innocence has been taken from them. Even showing us a red ribbon in a girl's hair just to remind us of the innocence that's been lost. So cool. So intentional. Another thing that we see a lot is because the way these women do their hair, they do them in a a braided way and then, you know, tuck it up, which is common in women who are in Amish communities, Mennonite, or even like um, some of your FLDS sex, right? Where they braid their hair a certain way. But she makes it a point that we see a lot of these women braiding their hair. And even at one point, we have two young girls around middle school age who are braiding their hair together, which is kind of biblical in a sense. There's a verse somewhere, I want to say it's Ecclesiastes. I probably should have looked it up, but it just popped in my head where it's talked about how, you know, chords and how, you know, three chords are stronger than two or three, two chords are stronger than one, something to that respect. And which is very interesting because faith plays such a big role in this. Because remember that this is a faith community a faith-based community. And so the way they rely on their faith, the way they lean on their faith for comfort, the way they have these moments of pause where it seems like everything is so overwhelming and they break out in worship. Like, is the world ready for that? What a beautiful display. So I think if you're a woman of God who has been hurt in some way or just a woman of God in general, I think you will find something valuable in this film just to watch these women have these moments where something gets hard or something hurts. We find out that, and this is a spoiler alert, but one of the little girls around the age of four was one of the victims of these attacks, and she's suffering because of it. She's sick because of it. And, you know, while they're in the middle of these hard discussions, trying to decide, do we stay? Do we go? Do we leave? What do we do? Being a mother never takes a break. The little girl comes to her mom because she doesn't feel well. She needs comforting. And everyone stops. She's the most angry because of what was done to her child. She is the one ready to fight and throw hands and just slice and dice every man in that community. But her child is hurting and she she pauses. 
for her daughter and comforts and holds her daughter. And to me, this was the most amazing part of the whole movie. Because she is having this moment where she's comforting her child and every woman stops and gathers around her and they all start singing and worshiping together. Just that is such a woman thing to do. It's not something we're taught. It's instinctual that when that we gather, we manage things, we keep things in order. We pause for a moment that is that needs a pause. They're trying to figure out what do we do with our lives? But this child is hurting. This mother is grieving and holding her daughter and everyone pauses and comforts her. And sings worship music, hymns, basically, but worship. They all pause and take a moment to comfort her and to comfort one another and comfort this child. That is such a woman thing to do. If you're a man and you don't get it, I don't know how to make it make sense. But that's women. That's what we do. In moments where we're yelling and screaming and we're catty and we're calling each other names because it happens in this movie. That's who we are. We will take moments and we will pause and we will be there for one another. It's instinctual. I don't know where we get it from. I don't know where it comes from. This is something that has kept with us as time has gone on. This quality that we have that we have to take care of one another. That we are the village. I thought it was beautiful and I thought it was so well done. This movie was just incredibly acted, um, beautifully directed, cast to perfection, such a beautiful display of womanhood that just spoke to a culture that doesn't know how to treat women like they're human anymore. I think a lot of women will find comfort as, as hard and tough as the subject can subject is and as triggering as it can be. I think there's something healing in this and there's a sense of camaraderie. I think that could be helpful to a lot of women. So even if you're a woman who has been hurt in this way, I would consider sitting down and listening to this conversation because it's that, that's what this movie is. It's, it's we're listening to a conversation. We are invited and giving the, given the privilege to listen to this conversation. And it's just beautiful. I can't go on enough about how beautiful this was. After hearing all of that, hearing me sing this movie's praises, you're probably wondering, Savannah, if this movie was so good, why wasn't it nominated for more awards? Good question. Let's talk about it. So again, this movie was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Picture. One of 10 nominated for Best Picture. This was not nominated for Best Director. Okay, we're going to go on a quick little tangent because somebody always asks, why was this, why are there 10 nominations for Best Picture? I personally think having 10 nominees dilutes it and makes it less of a prize. When you have so many films nominated, I think they should go back to five. It makes it a little more exclusive, but that's just me. But why are there 10? So this actually goes back to 2009, the 2009 Academy Awards, recognizing films released in 2008. What came out in 2008? The Dark Knight. Heath Ledger actually won an acting Oscar for that post human. I can't believe it. He, after he died. I don't even know how to pronounce the word, but I tried. So Heath Ledger did win a oscar for that but the movie was not nominated for best picture if you hear a dog barking that's my neighbor's dog they like to bark around this time of the day nothing i can do about it i don't even know the dog's name so the movie was not nominated for best picture and people were in a tizzy now for several years beginning in kind of the early 2000s for i'd say the next decade or so the oscars really paid it seemed to pay a lot of attention or award a lot of your indie and art house kind of films and so a lot of your bigger blockbusters that were worth something like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight were left out and people were very upset by that so in response people decided to not people but the academy decided to expand the list to 10 and a lot of people like I said were not happy about this because they said the same thing, that this kind of dilutes it. It makes it less of a prize. It's not as exclusive. You know, now you've got films that are would never be considered for this nomination making it because they ended up in the top 10 instead of making that exclusive top five. 
And the Academy has tried to rectify this in different ways by doing preferential voting, which they still do towards the end of the nomination towards the end going towards the award show where they'll they'll try to whittle down the list that's a whole process we can talk about that another time but there was a time when they tried to do it where they try to make sure you know people there was a 50 percent threshold they try to figure out a way to make it so that if you got a certain percentage of votes so for a while they stopped doing mandatory 10 it went from being anywhere between five and ten so There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are nominated. Your film was nominated and it got top 5% of the vote. You got a nomination. That's when it started to be inconsistent between, you know, five nominations, 10 nominations, and it got to be a whole thing. But now the Academy is back doing 10 solid nominations. I still don't like it. I think this is a good list this year, but I personally think it should go down to five. I like the exclusiveness of it all, but that's just me. But anyways, going back, Sarah Pauly's film was not nominated for Best Director. She was not nominated for Best Director. And people have been all upset about the lack of female directors, the lack of Black directors, the lack of Black film representation. People are still having whole conversations about it. So why wasn't this film nominated? I have opinions. I have thoughts. Here's the thing. I think people need to understand how voting works with the Academy. Um, I think when people hear the word nomination, I think they have it in their heads that these names are just kind of put up and then people vote. Not necessarily. So voting starts actually in December. And most of the categories are very simple. The best director category is a little complicated. But as far as all the other categories, your best director, best actor, cinematographer, all those things, fairly simple. The way voting works is it goes by these different categories. Here's the thing. When you join the Academy, whether you were pulled in because you were nominated for an award or you were invited in because of a sponsorship, because um, those are the two ways to get into the Academy. You either have to be nominated for an Academy Award or you have to be sponsored by two active members and your resume has to be up to par. And if it is, you get invited in the spring. So uh, one person per category, one person per category. So if you join on the basis of being an actor, even though you may have directed other films, you are an actor in the Academy. You can't cross over. You can't be in multiple categories. You are an actor in that category. The same with everything else. If you're joining the Academy as a director, you are a director. You're joining the Academy as a cinematographer, cinematographer, even if you've done other things, even if you've written, even if you've acted, how you join the Academy is that's the category you in and you stay in it for life unless you are pushed out or you resign. 
you know, like Bill Cosby was, you know, his invitation was taken away and then Will Smith last year resigned. Those are the two examples I can think of. So that's pretty much how it is. So directors vote for directors. So not everyone is participating in these categories. If you are a director in that category in the Academy, as a member, you are a member of that category of directors. You vote for directors. So who is voting for the best director category? Other directors. To me, that's just smart and common sense. The same thing with acting. Only actors are voting for actors. Only editors vote for editors. Only cinematographers vote for cinematographers. But everyone votes for Best Picture. That is why you'll often have a movie that's nominated for Best Picture, but it's missing in other categories. Because just because, you know, the Academy at large thought this was a great film, but when you break it down into its individual pieces, directors may not have been as impressed. Does that make sense? So directors vote for directors. There were five nominees. I've seen four out of the five. I think the only one that I have not seen, I think it's Triangle of Sadness, is the one I haven't seen yet. That's actually playing right now. But I assume it's probably going to play again in March right before the award show because AMC does this whole Best Picture Showcase thing. So I'm hoping to see that soon or hopefully they just send it to streaming somewhere. But it's the only one out of the five that I have not seen. Do I think Sarah Poli's direction style is on level with the other five nominees minus, you know, triangle of sadness. Cause I haven't seen it. No, I don't think so. And I think it's because the movie is so damn simple. It's so simple, so straightforward. And I love that. I love simplicity. Honestly, this could have been a stage play. It's that simple. It takes one room. I mean, this could have been a beautiful stage play. It kind of reminded me of the whale, which is based on a stage play. But I think the fact that the direction is so simple, the approach is everything about this is very simple and as beautifully done as it was and as wonderfully executed as it was, there was nothing challenging about it when you compare it to the Fablemans or everything everywhere all at once. I think those are the two standard setters for the year. And then you also have Tar that's nominated, the Kate Blanchett film. The, I don't think this quite competes or compares. I'm sorry. I thought it was beautifully done. I thought she did an amazing, incredible job. She deserves all the praise for it. But I don't think as a director, she competes with the other five who were nominated. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And then I gave my opinion on why I don't think this got any kind of acting nods. I think it's hard because this is such an ensemble piece and really it is a unit teamwork kind of effort kind of picture. It's kind of hard to separate the individual performances because in order for this thing to work, they had to work together. This isn't like Tar where Kate Blanchett is carrying the film. She is the film. The director made the crazy, insane and risky decision to carry to put the film on Kate Blanchett's back and let her carry it. And on top of all that, there's immense pressure from the rest of the cast because they have to be up to par because she's carrying the film, but their faces are telling the story. We don't have time. Oh, I'm about to go on a, on a tar tangent. We don't have time. We do not have time. Back on task. So Sarah Polly or Polly, I'm never going to get this lady's name right. Ma'am, if you ever hear this, I apologize. Sorry, but Sarah Polly. <laughs> that's why I, I think she wasn't quite nominated. I think it's because the simplicity of the direction, as beautiful as it is and as well executed as it is, I think that works against her. I think the films that are nominated this year, there's something a little more challenging, a little more umph that she just didn't have in her film. And I think that's why as far as direction goes, they didn't look at it. And again, these are directors nominating other directors. So they know what it means to be a good director. They are looking at things that we don't look at. Not even me who studies film as a hobby. They are looking at things that I don't look at. They know what to look for. This is their profession. You have men and women in this category who have been doing this longer than I have been born. They know what it means to direct a good film. They can see the direction between the lines. So when you're watching the film, just enjoying the entertainment, they can see the direction. So they know what to look for. So when you're talking about why wasn't this film, understand the people voting for this film are students of film. They're not just working in this profession, but they are students of it. They've been studying film history longer than you've been alive, making movies since before you were born. 
They know what they're doing. They know what to look for. And I think that's something that has to be taken into consideration. That's just my opinion. Now, if you want to get into the conversation as to why other black films were not nominated, because that's a whole conversation as well. I came across this article on Facebook the other day. I thought it was fairly interesting, but it's just talking about how the Oscars are still, the the headline reads, the Oscars best director category is still failing to represent the movie industry. My opinion about that headline, the Oscars are not supposed to represent the film industry. They're supposed to represent the best of the best, period. You don't get into the academy by applying. It's not a job, okay? You have to be invited in two ways. You have to be sponsored by someone who's an active academy member. So this person who earned their spot is taking a risk on you by presenting you to the board and saying, hey, you should invite this person in. And that person looks at your resume because you can't just have one measly film under your belt. You have to have something of good caliber in order to get in and you can get invited that way. Or you can go the even harder route, which is to get nominated for something. Unless you're like Meryl Streep where you nominated damn near every year. But The best of the best are in the Academy. It's only, I think it's somewhere around 9,000, somewhere between 9 to 10,000 active voting members. So it's not large. And the best of the best are, are voting for these. And the best of the best get nominated. That is the point of the Academy Awards. This new young industry that had popped up decided, hey, let us celebrate what we have done this year, the best of the best. That's how this thing started. That's what they've done. Not to say that the Academy hasn't had some issues over the years or there haven't been some question marks. Um, Spike Lee being shut out from best director with uh, Do the Right Thing. Or uh, I think it was uh, The Color Purple, Steven Spielberg film from the 80s. If you've never seen it, you should see it. Beautiful film, Whoopi Goldberg, um, Oprah, uh, Danny Glover. Beautiful film, if you've never seen it. How have you not seen it, if you haven't? Okay, tangent. Stay on topic, Savannah. Focus, focus, focus. Um, That was shut out from Best Picture in whatever year it was supposed to, it came out. So there have definitely been question marks. And there have also been some things where I'm like, okay, well, how did that win? I think those are still questions. Um, Shakespeare in Love, whatever year that came out winning over whatever war film also came out that year and also i think it was another kate blanchett film elizabeth i think also lost to shakespeare in love good movie but like how did that win or crash beating brookback mountain which i still think is weird so there have definitely been moments where people have you know had question marks and questions but i know the Academy has attempted to diversify things over the last few years. Now, I know starting in about 2016, they in- inducted more women and more quote unquote people of color into the Academy. But even doing so, you're still seeing a majority white and majority male nomination. I mean, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. That could mean that it seems that year after year, the best movies of the year are being made by white men. Now, every couple of years, you get these gold star gems being made by women, particularly white women and Asian women. What do you do? And next year, the rules are going to get even more stupid because they're adding diversity and inclusion into the requirements to to even be nominated for Best Picture. Your film will have to have a certain amount of people of color or a marginalized group or LGBTQ, whatever. Your crew will have to be comprised of a certain amount of people of color, marginalized group, whatever. Like the rules are ridiculous. I don't like them. I am not in the business of telling people how to creatively tell their stories or how to build their set. You get the best of the best. You write the best story. Sometimes having a random person of color in your story doesn't make sense. That would be like women talking, having this random black person in their group. That makes no sense. These, these, these communities are typically insular. But if this film were to come out this year, this film would be eligible simply because over 30% of the cast is women. 
So now we're looking into possibly handing out participation trophies next year, but people are asking why they didn't get the participation trophy now. Why didn't Gina Price Bythewood get a directing nod for the um, Woman King? Why didn't Jordan Peele get a directing nod for Nope? Why didn't Chinoye Chuku get nominated for Till? And it's like, well, why were they snubbed? Why were they shut out? Were you snubbed or did people not just, just not vote for you? Because again, remember, this is a democracy. It's voting. People are voting. Did your film just not get enough votes? When people were ranking the best films they thought for this year, did your film just not make the list? And another question you have to ask is, did your film, did your the studio behind you campaign well enough? Because again, these voting members, many of them are actively working in the industry. So they don't have time like me to go see one to two movies a week. They don't have time to just go to the theater and just watch a movie. Now, there is a theater in L.A. that will often allow Academy members to screen movies early so they can see them. And then there's also an opportunity for screeners, DVD screeners, or you can do it on iTunes where Academy members can watch these movies on their own time. But you have to watch them within that window of voting. And it's a lot of movies up for consideration. So if you want to make sure that your movie gets seen, you have to campaign, you have to push. And that's the controversy that's happening right now with Andrea Risenborough. I think that's her name, who was nominated for best actress for two Leslie. And a lot of people saying that because she was nominated, that means Viola Davis from The Woman King and Danielle Deadweiler from Till didn't get nominated. Well, how do you know? Because Margot Robbie from Babylon also didn't get nominated. Maybe she was the holdout. The conversation is valid, but sometimes it's also a little ridiculous. Because the question becomes, did you get snubbed or people just not vote for your movie? Like, did your movie get overlooked or was your movie just not that good? We're not going to sit here and talk about how, oh, the, you know, the Academy doesn't like Viola Davis. They gave her an Oscar a couple years ago. Hello. We're not going to sit here and say, well, the Academy doesn't want like female directors. One won last year and the year before that. Have there been a lot of female directors that have won? No. But we're not going to sit here and say that the Academy doesn't like women when women have won. Recently. It's not like it's been 30 years since a woman won Best Director. No, it's been 365 days. But should there be more black representation or female representation in the nominations? I I'm no I don't know. I don't think it's some a matter of there should be, but if you want to be included, you need to level up and you need to figure out what the competition is and you need to be better. You needed to make a film that was just as good or better than The Fablemans, The Banshees of Inisherin, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Those are the top three this year. We're not going to argue about that. That's the standard that's been set. Is your movie just as good or better than those three? If the answer is no, shut up. Try again next year. Chinoye Chuku, uh, who directed the movie Till, had this to say the day the nominations were released. She said, we live in a world and work in industries that are so aggressively committed to upholding whiteness and perpetuating an unabashed misogyny towards black women. Those are her words on, you know, being shut out for best director, best actress, best picture, I think, and best song. I figured they'd probably get a nomination for best song. They were on the shortlist for that, if I remember correctly, but they didn't get the nomination. So her film was completely shut out. Now, I did see Till. If you watched my very first episode where I told you what my top 10 and my bottom, no, yeah, my bottom 10, my top 15 films of 2022 were, Till made it into my bottom 10. And my issue with, as now, if we want to break down why that film didn't get nominated for Best Picture, we can come back to that in a minute. But as far as her getting nominated for Best Director, the only solid performance in that entire film was Danielle Deadweiler. And not just solid, but the only good performance. Everyone else was incredibly cheesy, bland, two-dimensional, including Jalen Hall, who played Till. The only thing she seemed to focus on in that movie was Danielle Deadweiler's performance, and everything else went to the wayside. It was like she couldn't focus on two things at once. She She didn't know how to tell a linear story without using her best actress to do the work for her. 
The film itself, given the subject matter, was incredibly detached and distanced. She didn't have the courage to tell the story exactly as it was. She made it a point to avoid the violence of what happened to Emmett Till to spare people's feelings. What happened to him was violent and grotesque. And the only reason we know about Emmett Till is because his mother displayed his dead face on a newspaper. She wanted the world to see the violence that happened to her son. And you, ma'am, decided to make a movie avoiding the violence. And you think you deserve a nomination for that? Absolutely not. Your film was a cowardly approach to an incredible topic. And I think as directors, they were able to see that the only decent performance in that film was Daniel Deadweiler. Everyone else was incredibly two-dimensional, bland, basically used as props to push her up. The acting just wasn't good except for hers. And that's a failure on her part as a director. Why would you get nominated for that? Now, with The Woman King, Gina Prince-Bythewood is, what, she has been doing this for a very long time, for a very long time. So she's a veteran in this industry. And I don't think she got nominated for The Woman King just because the movie itself, I mean, it's entertaining, it's fun, but it was just, it was very choppy, episodic. At times, the performances were not believable. I think I made the comment when I did a TikTok about it was that the performances were good, but at times they felt a little fake. I think I used the phrase, it it felt like watching foreigners play foreigners. You know, like watching Christian Bale play Moses in, in a sense. I mean, the movie was fun. It was entertaining. It just wasn't that good. And then you have Nope, Jordan Peele film. The first two thirds of that movie were boring and it didn't get exciting until the last little bit. And his main characters were devoid of any kind of real personality. They were just one personality going back and forth and bouncing off one another. And it wasn't until the very end that all of a sudden Daniel Kaluuya was reminded that he had to play a whole person. It just directing wise, it just wasn't his best. It really wasn't his best film. Now, if you want to talk about a black film that should have gotten um, recognition. I don't remember the break the um, director's name off the top of my head, but a movie called Breaking that came out in the summer. Now that made it into my top 15. That movie was incredible. John Boyega's performance is top tier. If I had to list like my top five favorite male performances from this year, John Boyega in Breaking clearly makes that list. What an just he he deserves nominations for that performance. He deserves accolades. He deserves recognition, but he didn't get any. Why? Because the people behind that film and this is why campaigning is important. It's not just so that your movie can make money so that people who vote for these awards can see it. But no one backed that film. The studio that pushed out that film, that made that film, that distributed it. There was no marketing for it. The only reason I heard about the movie is because I saw the trailer in theaters. I wasn't exactly sure what the movie was about, but it reminded me of John Q. That's why I went to see it. Other than that, I saw no marketing for this film. Nothing on Instagram, nothing on TikTok, Twitter, nothing. There was no one pushing this movie and it was so incredibly well done. John Boyega, him not having that backing for that role, for that performance, criminal. That is the movie. If you want to talk black films that deserve nominations, that's the one. That's the one. And I will die on that hill. There are two things in terms of marketing that pissed me off from 2022. Number one is the invitation. That was the biggest miss in marketing ever. I don't understand how you can market this movie as a horror film when it turns out to be a damn near smutty romance. You missed a whole demographic, ma'am. I'm still mad about it. I could do a whole podcast on why I'm still mad about the marketing miss that was the invitation. And then number two was the lack of marketing and the lack of push and the lack of confidence behind the movie breaking because that was stellar. John Boyega's name should be on that best actor list, period. But it wasn't because nobody saw it because nobody campaigned for it. Nobody pushed for it. Why am I getting heated over this? I'm still mad. That should be a whole podcast. Marketing mist of 2022. Why I'm still mad about the invitation and you should too. But as far as Sarah Pauly not getting nominated for best director, I think she should pat herself on the back for a job well done. I just think the movie was just too simple. I think the simplicity of it, the lack of challenge in it. I think a lot of directors looked at that and thought, yeah, I could do that. Sounds terrible, but... It's the truth. I don't know what else to tell you. 
thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave and sing the praises of another movie it's my favorite thing to do if you have a moment to see this film i highly recommend it check your smaller theater um whatever movie theater in your area that's more likely to have your independent art housey kind of films i think this is probably the one that's going to catch it that's the one that's going to catch this film this was not at my main amc but it was at the amc where i'm going to see your lesser known films so the one without the reclining seats basically and i am so happy i finally caught it i have been waiting so long to see it and it was well worth the wait again this is a beautiful ensemble piece directed by sarah polly starring rooney mara claire foy jesse buckley francis mcdormand judy ivy an, incre- an incredible, well-done ensemble piece about the power of womanhood, the power of motherhood, just really, in a sense, singing the praises of the female mind and the female body in spite of its negative and dark subject matter. I think this really speaks to the strength and power of what it is to be a woman and what we all encompass just by being us. Even when we're distanced, even when there's cultures apart, I think this is something that every woman can relate to because there's something about us that's just natural and beautiful and universal. And I think this really pays an homage to that, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So if you catch this film, let me know. If you have already seen it, let me know what you thought. I would love to hear from you. Catch me on a comment section, either on YouTube or Instagram. Keep on a lookout for reviews coming on Friday, 80 for Brady and Knock at the Cabin. And I will see you guys Friday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.